You are tuning in to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. After you finish listening to it, why not take a moment to listen to one of the most recent episodes? I'm sure you'll enjoy it. This is Tommy's Outdoors 61. And our guest today is Shane McAuliffe, who is a farmer, first and foremost. He is also a undisputed expert in African swine fever. So African swine fever, it's fairly nasty disease that affects domestic pigs and also affects wild boar. And especially all the hunters, but not only hunters, also hikers, also just the regular tourists who are traveling to countries that have African swine fever present on their territory should be aware about African swine fever, what that is, what they should and shouldn't do when they're traveling back to Ireland or to their respective countries that don't have African swine fever from the countries where that disease was uh, identified or is present. I'm going to repeat it once again. I know that a lot of hunters are traveling from UK or Ireland or other countries where there, there was no cases of African swine fever to hunt for a driven hunt for wild boar or, or just some other type of hunting of wild boar in the countries where African swine fever was identified. And this is very important that they are aware about all the precautions and what they need to do when traveling back to their own country where there is no African swine fever. So a very important episode from the perspective of biosecurity. It's all about biosecurity in this episode. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Shane McAuliffe. Shane McAuliffe, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tommy. Hi, it's uh, finally we meet. And uh, yes, I think mm-hmm. that the first time I get to know you on Twitter when you were curating uh, Ireland's farmers mm-hmm. um, yeah. account. And I remember that, y- you know, there's a lot of people, obviously, you're getting a lot of heat. For some reason. Oh, I always do. You yeah. always do, right? I yeah. even said, like, you're my favorite bad guy on Twitter <laughs> one day. And, uh, and I asked some question, like a genuine question about uh, pig farming and wild mm-hmm. boar. Yeah. And I sent the question, and I was wondering whether you're going to be defensive about it or whether, like, what's going to be the answer? And you came back with, a, like, a factual, like, a proper... <laughs> answer and it's like well that guy he knows what he's talking about and i remember during the week because it was like a week we we had a Mm. couple of interactions like well this is a guy who can you can learn a lot so for all the listeners sean mcauliffe one on twitter yeah that's yeah shane mcauliffe one shane mcauliffe Mm -hmm. one go give him a follow just be warned that your (laughs) consumption of pork will increase (laughs) good that that happened to me well, you know, that's true, too. You know, while it's important to talk about pig farming, you know, I have to realize that, you know, the end product is pork. And, you know, it for reaching consumers, you know, you know, um, if I can share recipes on pork or innovative recipes on pork or how you can cook it, well, then great. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to going to help me as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, increasing the consumption. Yeah. So I, I was like, it was like a coincide, like I was listening about the diet that the american war fighters are getting which is a lot of bacon and a lot of that mm-hmm. and then i was listening to you it's like oh you know and then you go to show oh, i'm gonna buy pork yeah and then i go to buy, and it's like wow i never ate so many pork so much pork in my life <laughs> what happened i blame shane <laughs> excellent that's a good complaint it's healthy for you yeah. full of nutrients full of vitamins minerals you can't complain yeah 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 i heard that this is like compared to beef it's, it's like a lower quality than the beef but you probably disagree with that uh, um, Quality-wise, or nutrients, no. or in terms of nutrients density, they would be both quite the same. I would say. Okay. Yeah, I mean they they both have their advantages, and mm-hmm. you know some of one of them would have higher nutrients, certain nutrients over another one. So yeah, it's it's 
yeah, yeah. It's, but, there, but I'm a beef farmer as well, so okay. So you're okay with that? I'm you're okay, okay with, with that. You know, okay. if you if you eat beef or you you eat pork, well, that's fine with me. I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Okay, we're here really to talk about African swine fever, yes, and especially uh, from the angle of hunters mm -hmm. who might go to the countries that have a wild boar population or yeah. or you know whether live in those countries or go to those countries and mm -hmm. whatever whatever happened and obviously as a pig farmer that's a great interest for you yeah. like what's what's going on but before we gonna dive deep into african swine fever you're also planting native woodlands Oh yes. So I would <laughs> so, so I would like to start from this and then okay. go to the to the African swine fever and then I hope that I'll be able to do some good hosting and kind of uh, pivot back to the to the wild and to the okay. to, so, sounds good. So tell me, I, I think you've been you've been vocal and and about that the current model of forestry is bad as the Sitka mm -hmm. spruce plantation is essentially desert there's no life in it there's a problem with uh, uh, like water pollution and then yeah. it's a lot of uh, chemicals sprayed on that because it's it's really like a timber factory not, nothing more so tell me why it's good why it's good to plant native woodlands and then what are the biggest obstacles to mm -hmm. do that for, for farmers, from a farmer's perspective? Well, I, I don't really know where my sudden interest in native woodland came from. Um, you know, we have really beautiful gardens here around the house. We're, we're very lucky. And I suppose maybe four or five years ago, um, I kind of got like an interest in, um, in gardening here. And I gradually developed a greater interest in, and... Um, put a lot more of my my free time into the gardens here mm -hmm. and that kind of led me on to native woodland and and trees and and the importance of trees and yes in the last couple of years every winter i i seem to order hundreds and hundreds of bare <laughs> fruit <laughs> native trees and 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 plant them around the farm here or around the other farms and uh yeah i i i i don't know where my interest came from but like the importance of native trees cannot be underestimated. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, we're in this era of global climate catastrophe and the benefits of them, you know, they're storing carbon. They're uh, they're giving us oxygen and and that and, you know, that's important with, with climate change. But also there's the benefits to biodiversity, to mm -hmm. soil quality um, and, you know, for, for me as a farmer, I will eventually see all these trees that I'm planting here, that they will have a, a benefit in terms of health and welfare on, on the cattle as shelter belts oh. as and, and um, you know, things like that. So, you know, I, the benefits are just endless, really. Yeah, they really, really are. And, and tell me what we I was uh, we have an episode 29, I think, with Kieran Nunjit about the native woodlands. Mm -hmm. And he pointed out to many, you know, problems with, let's say, system for farmers to encourage them. And, and, yeah. one, and one of that was like, oh, there's a program this five years and a farmer gets some subsidies, mm -hmm. plants the native woodlands and five years up, money's gone. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the farmer gets and cuts all the native woodlands yeah. and, and starts grazing cattle again. So how, how do you... That it is difficult because we have to realize that farm incomes are at their lowest. Um, you know, farmers, especially beef farmers, especially in the west of Ireland, are really struggling to survive. And, you know, to a lot of farmers, especially the older generation, planting land, there seems to be a stigma with it. It means hmm. possibly, are you a failed farmer? You can't make money out of your land, so you're planting it. And I think that's an issue there. Um, hmm. And... Yeah, the, the, the premium system, um, yeah, look, you're getting your premium for, for a couple of years and then it stops, um, you know. And again, for native woodland, I mean, it takes quite a long time to mature. Yeah. So if you want to earn maximum uh, income from your mm -hmm. plantation, you're not going to be looking at native woodland. Yeah. So it is difficult. Like we, we have a farm which is 
primarily bog. Um, but we did plant some of that with Sitka spruce in the 1990s. And, you know, of course, it's thriving there. It's that the soil is perfect for it. It's, it's heavy waterlogged soil. Um, but like I see myself when I go down into, into that plantation, you know, it's it is very depressing. There's it, mm. it's just dead and dark underneath it. And I, I really yeah. don't like it. Yeah. Um, and especially when I'm interested in biodiversity as well, it's, you know, it, it, it doesn't have any advantage. Yeah. Um, I can totally understand the need to have it. We need to plant more trees. Yeah. Um, and if you want to plant Sitka spruce, then that's fine. There's still trees. But for a biodiversity point of view, you know, there's there's no benefit to Sitka spruce. Yeah. Is that because they are also, the way they're planted, they're planted so densely? That That's it. And, and the fact that the canopy closes over. Uh-huh. Um, so there's so, no light coming down no, to the no, lower. No, it it's completely like dark mm. underneath. So nothing okay. grows and... You know, it, it is, it's quite depressing. It is. You said that you're interested in biodiversity. So yeah. in terms of having, do you see any benefits for, for, for your farm, for the farming to have like a, like what you understand by biodiversity? Like well, budgers and like all. Bees, of course. Bees are important. You know, I am, yeah. a, I am, a, I, I'm a farmer. So I'm a food producer. So I know the importance of bees for, for pollinating crops. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you, here in the garden i do have quite a lot of pollinator friendly um plants and and flower beds and so on um our our farm one of our farms and our transport company are both uh business supporters of the all ireland pollinator plan Mm -hmm. i believe we were the first two kerry businesses to become supporters of the plan um and again a lot of that is you know just creating awareness among the community about pollinators and the importance of protecting bees um other biodiversity on the farm um yeah you know i do see a lot of mammals badgers foxes um a lot of birds waterfowl um you know only in the last week now i've seen the uh, the white egret has returned <gasps> he comes every wow. every winter and so he's back on on the river just out there behind the stables again and <laughs> um, i do plan to dig out some farm ponds i have got funding under the hen harrier local action plan oh, wow. for one of what we do have a farm in the hen harrier area and we were granted funding to build a farm pond so we're building that in january and wow. the idea there is that if we build a pond it will attract amphibians and you know they they are a, a source of of prey for hen harriers yeah so that's one reason and then i have uh, we're going to plant uh, native flowering hedging around it and I have a, a little shelter belt. So wow. again, that'll attract rodents who again will be yeah. prey for the hen area. You, you know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I, but at the same time, I don't understand one thing. Like you are clearly appreciative of wildlife, mm. of biodiversity, of all the animals, big and small and all, all that. And yet sometimes it seems like a, people like you farmers who mm-hmm. are like-minded yeah. and then they you know and then you look at the groups around ecology and mm-hmm. and and you know uh wildlife and and so on and in my head it's like wow these guys should work together mm. they're, 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 because really they're talking about the same things they appreciate yeah. same thing mm-hmm. yet quite often when 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 you guys there's these two groups let's say c- kind of meet on internet on social media is like deadly enemies yeah i don't i was like mm. whoa what's your what's your take on that why this is happening i yeah that is a really good question i mean as a farmer um and certainly as a pig farmer i do get quite a lot of of abuse online and again it would be from people who would be in that general area mm. let's say green leaning yeah um because you know, you can't deny the fact that for pigs, we don't grow protein in Ireland. So we have to import protein. Mm-hmm. And our protein comes from um, North and South America, and that's soya bean. Mm-hmm. So that's why I will get a lot of abuse saying, oh, well, you can't be, a, you can't be thinking well, of the environment when you're a pig farmer. But look, I mean, what other I never, option? I, have, nev- I never heard that yeah, argument. Like, what other option have I got of growing protein? We don't grow protein here in Ireland. Um, right. It's all grass for all all these dairy cows. <laughs> it's right. all grass. Um, 
So yeah, my I don't have an alternative protein source. And I think, and you think that this is the thing. This that's is the a reason. Big, that's a big part of of mm. um, of the problem with commercial pig farming is that people are saying, "Oh well, look, you're destroying the rainforest." Well, no, not really. I'm not destroying the rainforest. I know a lot of our soya bean comes from North America. Um, very few of it. Uh, does come from South America. Yeah. Um, but look, there is no other homegrown protein. We have done research into it. We can't find one that, that works. Mm. We've done a lot of work with our nutritionist, ref, uh, refiguring, refiguring our diet to lower our protein. And we have successfully lowered our protein and that in turn uh, lowered the emissions for our pigs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of hard when I when I put a lot of um, effort onto the onto the farms here and, and especially the, the beef enterprise into biodiversity and someone says, well, no, you're a pig farmer, you can't be but, but this, environmentally see, friendly. This is, this, this is this thing that people seems to be like, you have to agree on all points with me. Mm. And if there is only one thing that you, because like, okay, fair enough, but then you build a pond for a hair harrier and mm. you, you're talking about amphibians and you're talking about native woodland. It's mm. like, you know, like, well, that guy is an ally. Yeah. I mean, like an Irish wildlife trust, should, you, you know, you know mm. what I mean? They should, they should put the banner mm. yeah. somewhere or, or they should, you mm. know, it's like, hey, this guy, right? Mm. He's a pig farmer. I was like, no, this little thing, right, that you do different and like oh, everything. Yeah. This is... I know, it's you crazy. You feel upset about it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. But like, I'm a farmer. So I'm not, I don't own the land. I'm a custodian of the land. I'm, I'm, I have it for future generations and, and that's what farmers are. We, we're, we're custodians of the land, so we're just protecting the land for future generations yeah. and, and p- people don't realize that. People think we're out, you know, being destructive. I mean, yeah, of course, I cut the hedge here out on the road. Mm-hmm. That, so, you know, for safety, for both for, um, for other road users and for our own um, vehicles to get in and off the road. Yeah, but, but, but the big climate change warriors, they're ordering 1,000 liters of kerosene for winter mm, as well. I know. So, like, you know, <laughs> right? I might get abuse. I remember getting abuse before for cutting my hedges online. But what that person didn't realize is, yeah, I have those hedges on the road cut, but I have miles and miles of hedgerows through the farm that don't get touched yeah. at all. Um, it's 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 insane. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And, and and like you know, and obviously, like in the podcast, I have I, I, something I start to be proud of that I I talk with people kind of like on both sides. Let's say, right? Mm-hmm. I hate to think that there are sides, but there kind of are. Mm. And there's so many in common. And yeah. it's like, why why we just can't have a, like a conversation? Mm-hmm. So, but it's good. It's good. It's good to hear that from you and and kind of have it uh, on the record. Look, let's let's jump it right back into the African swine fever. Mm-hmm. You know, I will. I know that I will have a problem with tith- making title of that podcast because it's you know the, the, <laughs> the pattern is like something something with yeah, and it's like I don't want to title African swine fever with. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I need to come up with something. And we still haven't talked about our taxidermy here. And we talked about taxidermy. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another that's another thing. We, we, you you actually walked me through your your collection of taxidermy mm-hmm. and and. Guys, folks, it's, it's just it's just unreal. Like a kudu is like that antelope is the size of the horse. I know. It's like no no the size He's of the a horse. beauty. Is is a beauty mm-hmm. and the mass of the of the horns is like so <laughs> I I'm I'm more than happy to to, 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 to talk about it. But I you know, I had a episode of a podcast with uh um my friend who lives in Scotland, mm-hmm. Matt Cross, he's a he's a field sport journalist and we and we talked about uh, hen harriers, and because there was an issue that the hen harrier was killed, was trapped, yeah. and 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 you know, I always put the name of of the guest in the title of the podcast. It's like I can't call it "Killing Hen Harriers with Matt Cross" <laughs> because, like, what are you doing? <laughs> so I kind of uh, don't have his name, but I hope to have him on the podcast again. And, and, and just of- for the record, I do not have a taxidermy piece of a hen harrier. <laughs> no, I can confirm. No, no hen harrier taxidermy. <laughs> Oh, okay. So African swine fever. Mm-hmm. Let's let's start from the from the big. So okay. So you are you're. This is this is something that you're that you're studying. Yes. Yeah, so um, you're a vet. Um, no, not 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 necessarily. No, I have. Um, I went to the Royal Vet College and graduated with a master's in pig health. And, okay. Um, specializing in look infectious diseases, biosecurity, okay. things like that. Um, but yeah, I would primarily say I'm a farmer. 
before yeah. anything else, but also um, on the, the Irish Farmers Association National Pig Committee, I, I'm looking after health and welfare there. Mm-hmm. Secretary of the Pig Health Society as well. So everything I do is surrounding health and welfare of, of pigs yeah. in Ireland. Yeah. So you are a perfect person. You're an expert, ideal guest to talk about African swine fever. Let's start from the very beginning. What mm-hmm. is African swine fever? African swine fever is a virus, um, a disease caused by a virus, a very complex DNA virus. It was first found in Kenya in the 1920s, um, and it is it's found throughout sub-Saharan Africa. In the 1980s, it jumped to the Iberian Peninsula, Spain, Portugal, um, also got up into, into other parts of Western Europe. And in fact, um, one of the conditions for Spain and Portugal to join the European community at the time, as it was known, the European Union, um, was to eradicate it. So they got rid of it and, and they were both eligible to join. Okay. And what year was it? That was in the, the mid 80s, okay. 86, I believe, Spain and Portugal joined. Mm-hmm. And then um, it actually remains endemic in Sardinia. It, it got to Sardinia then and they haven't been able to eradicate it but was it in a wild population yeah and and okay. it got into domestic pigs as well okay and so that was that was that issue that once it's kind of identified or it shows up mm-hmm. in a wild population then it, it makes a jump yeah the spread is 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 very very quick mm-hmm. um mainly through pig to pig contact direct contact also through um through you know people equipment um vehicles it survives in the meat it survives in you know in the blood um Mm. and then in 2007 it jumped to georgia in in the in the um in the caucasus and that was direct that was they believe from a a container that left the east coast of africa and from georgia then it spread rapidly through the rest of the caucasus and into russia and into eastern europe Mm-hmm. And um, while the Russians very much have it under control since, um, it it spread more quickly throughout Eastern Europe in 2017. And mm-hmm. then last year, last August, um, it w- was found in China. Yeah. And China has half of the world's global population of pigs. Mm-hmm. And the estimates show anywhere between... 30 to 50 percent of them have already been culled wow. it is it is phenomenal i mean in four in 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 a, in a space of 14 months the level of pigs that were uh, culled in china was the same as the entire european union pig herd Gee. it is it is phenomenal i can't describe how how yeah. uh how bad this is affecting yeah. China. And yeah. as farmers, we had our worst year in pig production last year. Mm-hmm. We were getting one euro 40 a kilo. Mm-hmm. Our break even is 160. <laughs> and it was last year was very tough. And the result in China has meant that there is a global shortage of pork. And we've now gone in a, in a space of a very few months, we've gone from having our worst ever prices to our best ever. We're currently well in excess of two euros a kilo. Mm-hmm. And this has never happened before in the history of, of, of pig farming in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all because of China. And there just so is one not... would say that you're actually benefiting from the African yeah. swine fever. Yeah, we, we certainly are. What, you know, every cloud has a silver lining. And mm. long may it continue because we have to recoup the losses from the last couple of years because it's been devastating. And But the thing is, is that we have to keep it out. Yes. Um, if it got into Ireland, we would shut down tomorrow morning. We would lose all our export markets. And we, in Ireland as pig farmers, we rely on our export markets. Last year, um, exported uh, 700 million euro worth of, of pig meat from Ireland. Mm. And that's not bad considering there's just about 300 pig farmers in Ireland. Yeah. So it was, wow. it's the third biggest agri output after beef yeah. and dairy. Yeah. So listen, like in in the natural environment, African swine fever, like is is it because obviously in the in the setting of farming it's devastating. Mm-hmm. But how does it work in the is 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 it like population? So what are the animals that are that are uh, carrying? Is mm-hmm. it like a wild boar? But a in virus, Africa, yeah. but in Africa, mm-hmm. what is it going to be like a warthog? The warthogs, exactly. Yeah. So first found in in, in warthogs. 
and it, okay. it affects all pigs. And, and is it affecting warthogs? Or is it yes, like warthogs yeah. can just live with it happily, and uh, but the domestic pig mm-hmm. dies, or is it... Oh, yeah, it still affects warthogs. Um, not as, as much now, because we've seen that um, it's it's more prominent now in, in other parts of, of Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it can still affect warthogs. Um, and and other other types yeah. of pig as well. But, but so what I'm what I'm what I'm aiming here at is like when it gets into the population of pigs, it, it is devastating, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah. just it's just horror, mm-hmm. right? But how does it work in in the wild? Is it like because the animals are not are 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 are, are not so densely packed? That's why okay, whoever have it, then mm-hmm. they're gonna die, or whether they have like a higher level of resistance to that mm-hmm. virus in the nature? Like, how does that work? Well, well the thing with the wild boar is that um, you'll see um, a carcass. That's your first sign is, is a carcass will be lying there. And um, pigs are omnivores. Mm-hmm. They eat meat mm-hmm. and they will eat a carcass. They will mm-hmm. scavenge at a carcass. Yep. And that carries the virus then to the pigs that have just consumed mm-hmm. that that dead pig yeah. and it keeps it keeps spreading yeah. so you know the infected meat is a big part of it yeah but i mean there is a, nature has a way to keep taps on it mm-hmm. so this is what i'm what I'm, because you know like when when you have a uh, in a farm you have a, a African swine fever. Mm-hmm. It's not going to go away. No. The whole farm if, if you're not going to do anything the whole farm will be dead. Yeah. Now how does it work in in nature is like if so is it because the the animals are not, you know, more sparse? Is like whoever got in it will die, and then that's not gonna spread any further, or is it like any other way that the animals will, kind of like what's the natural way to keep mm-hmm. keep taps on it? Well, again, um, the the virus is so resistant; it'll survive in 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 the meat, and they've they've seen now in, in mm-hmm. some cases that passing through, let's say uh, they've seen it in the in the Baltics, you know wild boar running through a field of grain a field yeah. of crops that the crops will hold the virus as well and um, so wow. the way it spreads is 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 really it's phenomenal really it's <laughs> it through any sort of means right right but it, primarily yeah in 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 your wild boar populations spread through infected yeah. infected and is there any been, been observed any resistance to the virus among the wild pigs or so essentially the population what you're saying is the like population of wild boar if they got it that population is done yeah yeah and that's what we've seen in in a lot of cases in eastern europe already that it right. has you know boar numbers are going down but of course you have yeah, a lot of being called as well quite aggressively yes, you have a lot of countries who are who are um actively calling wild boar um, we've just seen now that Denmark have finished their famous fence, so they have a, they? they have a fence wow. uh, between themselves and Germany, yeah. and uh, it's to keep the wild boar out. And I was in Denmark a few weeks ago, and I met the authorities there, and they, they their official figure a few weeks ago was that they have twenty five wild boar left in Denmark, mm-hmm. so they're 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 getting rid of all of them, and, and they're just killing all the boar. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. that's kind of extreme it's extreme um and of course there's a lot of there's a lot of issues there but you know in europe it is it is a native animal mm-hmm. you know it is seen as invasive uh, as, as an alien species in the likes of the us and, and australia yeah. and, and they do yeah. they do a lot of culling of them yeah, out yeah there. that's a different story like what happens um, in texas right exactly like, exactly um but in terms of continental europe well then yeah, there's issues there. I mean, they they're they are they are a pest to farming, to crops, mm-hmm. to um, you know road traffic accidents. There's a big problem with yeah. them there. In fact, that was how the a recent um, a recent outbreak in Poland was found, mm-hmm. um, because we saw a few weeks ago that um, it jumped 300 kilometers west in Poland. <laughs> All along, it had been along with the border to Belarus, and it's now 800 kilometers within the German border. And the only reason they found that was because of um, 
a, a boar was hit in a, in a road traffic collision yeah. and that boar was tested and found to yeah. have the virus. Would you say that it's getting worse? Or because you said like it was first identified like in 19, mm -hmm. which one was the 19? In the 1920s. 1920s. Yeah. So is it, is it like always was that the big of a problem? We just didn't hear about it because there was no 24 hour media cycle um, or is it getting worse in the recent times? I think it's definitely because of the Chinese outbreak. That has really put oh. it in, into uh, into the media. R Russia ten years ago, it was it was a lot of talk about it then. But you know they did they did quite a lot of good work to contain it, and and parts of Eastern Europe have mainly seen it in only wild boar, um, mm -hmm. backyard pigs. Yes, they've seen it, but your your intensive um, commercial farms mm -hmm. have been able to to stay clear of it for the most part. Mm -hmm. But again, in the last year or two, Romania, Bulgaria being hit heavily in their commercial farms as well. Right. Yeah. And this is, this is caused by the, uh, this be this, this virus being in, yeah. the, in the wild. In the um, wild boar, a big part of the spread in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Um, but we also know humans, humans are spreading it. Um, okay. like for example, that, that case there in, in Poland, the last couple of weeks, yeah. a 300 kilometer jump, that was not by a wild boar. That, that is, that was something to do with a human, either mm -hmm. a human bringing, um, infected pig meat, discarding it incorrectly in, in a forest or something, mm -hmm. and then wild boar consuming it. I don't know, but that was certainly the case we saw in Belgium last year in, in um, September, 2018. Yeah. Um, that's the most westerly point and it was found in, in a population of wild boar in southern Belgium. Right. And that was um, because someone brought contaminated pig meat into Belgium and discarded it in a forest and it was, it wow. was consumed by wild boar. Yeah. Wow. So this is really what you're, you're like, I mean, you and, and, and your colleague farmers are observing like this front that is approaching in mm -hmm. Europe more and more yeah. west and exactly so this is why we are putting a lot of the pressure on the Department of Agriculture's National Disease Control Center to have more prominent signs at Dublin Airport because the signage mm -hmm. is very very poor yeah. um, you really wouldn't see it uh, at all mm -hmm. um, on, until you look for it if you go to um, yeah. if you go to the the baggage um, mm -hmm. the baggage carousels you'll see the signs there but yeah. if you're traveling through Dublin Airport you're not going to see it. Yeah. So that, so that we're, we're, we're getting now into, into this subject, like, you know, hunters mm -hmm. who are either. So let's, let's start like hunters who are actually live in countries affected, right? In mm -hmm. Germany, in, in Poland, like what, what they should do different. What, what's a, what's a precaution that they should, should take? Well, um, there's quite a lot of information out there on the internet from the European commission and, um, and the global framework for progressive control of transboundary animal diseases on what hunters should be doing. Because mm -hmm. um, we know that um, they're very important because they can either help limit the spread, yeah. help control it, or they could be the cause of the spread. Yeah. Um, they right in the center of they it. They are. They are. And it's very important for us to know as well that local hunters play a pivotal role in carcass detection because they are among the main experts of an infected area. Yeah. Um, so, you know, basic things like ensuring that they're cleaning and disinfecting their hunting equipment, washing their clothes and their footwear. Um, also very important regarding the transportation of a wild boar carcass from the hunting spot to the dressing facility. Mm -hmm. um, making sure that uh, the transportation they use is safe that there's no blood flowing, no blood spots, mm -hmm. um, and then proper disposing disposal of the offal, burning it in a pit, and so on. Um, so that there's a lot of a lot of key biosecurity measures that hunters yeah. should be doing yeah. when hunting wild boar. Is there is it is it possible to to detect or tell that that that, that boar was infected or is infected? Because I mean, you know, this is this is this is all good and well. But mm. now, when you think about the reality of a hunter in the woods, mm -hmm. shoot the boar, right? Yeah. To, you need to you need to gut the animal as quickly as possible because it starts bloating. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you gut the animal, right? You know, it's unlikely as you're then gonna carry a offal with you in mm -hmm. a separate bag, yeah. right? It's impossible to make ensure there's no 
blood spots because the you know by the fact of shooting the boar you yeah. know you straight away have a blood trail mm -hmm. on it and, and mm -hmm. so on so is it is it like you know recommendations that nobody really looks at it seriously because like i mean you know all the every law mm. that is impossible to follow yeah. is just not being followed i i believe that it's there's different laws depending on on, on different countries and, and different areas mm, so it so depends true. very much on whether there has been wild boar found with the virus in that area if it's if it's if that area is free from the virus mm -hmm. and again you know you you'll have the european legislation but under, underneath that you will have the national the national governments putting their own laws yeah. and recommendations on on hunters as well so yeah. it it does vary between country to yeah. country yeah. but it's it seems like it's very hard it is. to 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 you know contain and can you tell that the that the that the boar is is uh, well i suppose the Carry. The most obvious sign is you'd be finding a dead carcass. Um, that that would be quite. Um, yeah, but you know, like in, for example, with CWD in deer, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You, for a long time, it's hard to detect, but then you see the animals who are clearly affected. Yeah, are the signs like this in the wild boar? So you know, the hunter goes through the woods and mm -hmm. see the boar and say like, "Well, I seen that boar." Because obviously we all know, you know, it's much easier from seeing the animal, you know, mm -hmm. to the point of actually taking a shot. It's a, it's a long story, yeah. right? It's, it's not immediate. But he's like, he's like, hey, I saw that boar and that doesn't look good. Are there, mm -hmm. are, are there signs like that? Um, the, yeah, there, there would be clinical signs, but it would be, it would be quite hard to spot them because, okay. you know, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, diseases that you'd have in pigs that have similar clinical signs. So a lot of it would require serology right. and to do to do blood testing to see if yeah. if the virus is there or not yeah but would, what would be the most obvious like in a you know final stage mm. or like if you so for example if you've seen the boar with this and this mm -hmm. you you know or you're very concerned what would that be um i suppose well other than other than finding a dead one yeah. um you um you would have bluish bluish ears again but that's very hard for me to detect in a wild boar yeah. when i'm looking when i when i'm trained to look out for a pink pig for yeah. blue for blue ears so yeah. i'm not yeah. sure exactly yeah. how can i how yeah. i can spot that in, in a wild boar yeah yeah but um, i mean like a hunter you know like how they can see that something is wrong with it. so it's even mm. either hard to detect that way it, it would be yeah okay yeah a bloat, bloated carcass maybe but again there's a lot of clinical signs wow. you should see in, in other diseases as well that would have a bloated carcass Jeez. so it's yeah, it's difficult like that. Okay. So, so, that, so, so what we are established so far, like you have the disease out in the mm -hmm. wild, wild boar population is affected. Mm -hmm. Are these the only animals? Are bears No, affected? just pigs. Just pigs? Yeah. yeah so yeah. is it to do with the genetics of the pig that yeah. other animals are not? It's, yeah, the complexity of the virus. It's oh. just so, uh, so complex. And it's only affecting pigs. And all the, all the pigs are actually the same animal, right? Mm -hmm. Suoscrofa. So yeah, wild boar, warthogs, domestic pig. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting. It's only affecting these animals. Mm -hmm. And can humans be affected nope. by... Okay, nope. so, you can, so you can eat the carcass you, of the boar. That exactly. Was, you, can, you can eat um, pig meat that has the virus that there's no problem there but we, we have seen that that's causing the spread as well and that's a big worry um you know oh. and that's why we have the controls at the border points so for example uh with china having mm -hmm. the virus um we have detector dogs at dublin airport mm -hmm. and these dogs are looking for meat in in luggage in, in uh, passengers luggage mm -hmm. um because we know that you know a lot of tourists will bring their own food with them yeah. Um, there's also concern that we do have, you know, relatively um, large populations of Romanians, Lithuanians, Polish mm -hmm. in Ireland. Mm -hmm. And our worry is, OK, you know, you as a Polish person going home mm -hmm. for a trip, maybe you might miss your your traditional mm -hmm. Polish dishes mm -hmm. and maybe you'll bring some mm -hmm. Polish pig meat back. Mm -hmm. And perhaps you don't know if that polish pig meat is infected yeah. and and that's why we base what you're saying it can be and i'm i'm i'm, I'm good oh yeah you're fine it's, it's perfectly safe to eat but the worry is is that if you brought that into ireland mm -hmm. and it was discarded oh. incorrectly now i have to say we're very very lucky we don't have wild boar in ireland that's mm -hmm. a big big plus we have but if we did for example 
um, if it was discarded in a forest and it was consumed by a, a wild boar, then that that would mean that yeah. the country would come down. And, and that's a big problem. The likes of the UK now, the Forest of Dean have a massive population of wild boar mm-hmm. and they're very worried about people feeding them because yes. because the, the UK is not self-sufficient in pig meat. It imports quite a lot of it. So there's a worry there that there could be pig meat mm-hmm. that has the virus and it yeah. ends up in, in pigs. So if that virus is not, you know, harmful to people, mm-hmm. why do you see the entire farms of pigs being you know killed and burned rather than like well let's let's Mm. make a pork out of it and you know Mm. freeze it at least use it that way is it is it then because of the concerns of that it's gonna get spread or is it like nobody will buy it because they just like oh i'm not buying this thing that's a good question i suppose maybe a, a, a bit of a bit of both but it is listed as a notifiable disease. There is no cure for it, and it is going to cause no cure. There's no cure. So that was there's no mind. vaccine. Um, wow. So that's the only way you can stop it is culling affected pigs. How far we are from from having vaccine? Because short, short, surely people are working on it. Oh yeah, there, there is, is a, a lot of money to be there's made. There's a lot on of the money being pumped into it. All right, but you know, in in the pharmace- pharmaceutical industry, we see that if you develop a vaccine. It takes 10 to 15 years before it reaches the market. So let's say if they find a cure for it now, right, it's it, it'll be years. a long time before we actually get that in a bottle. Right. Um, so that, of course, that's a worry as well. Okay. So, okay. So going back to a hunter who, who shot the boar. Mm. So one thing is, is okay. They can just consume that boar. Mm-hmm. So it's really the, the only concern is like, do not discard it in a, you know, not yeah. I- irresponsible manner mm-hmm. because i mean like uh over over the last couple of years i traveled back and on out in ireland you know both in the airplane and uh on in the car i don't know what those sniffer dogs are mm-hmm. but i mean i can clearly see someone shooting a boar right in poland yeah putting that in a in a freezer in a little cooler freezer in the car mm-hmm. powered by little 12 volt socket and two days later, I'm in Ireland. That's that's the worry. That that is our worry. Yeah. And I mean that person, his car is infected now. His um, you know, his clothing, his his hunting equipment, all of it has the virus on it. Really. And, and that that is the concern. How do you how do you remove that? Uh, you would have to disinfect it. Yeah. yeah, but like how? how? Like, it's, uh, it's, well, is, is it like a you know soapy water or? Well, you'd have to use a, a properly approved disinfectant. Seriously, uh, yeah, so, so it's it, not even like you take uh, your your white spirit or you take your uh, I don't know domestus or whatever else and you know and wipe yeah, it clean. I'm not sure if domestus or the likes of, of of white spirits would be enough to kill the virus. I don't think so. You'd yeah. have to use a disinfectant. It must it must feel desperate to you because it seems like to me like when I'm here about it, I like thing that I thought I had in the back mm. of my head is like there's no way. There's no way that hunters will, you know, equip themselves in a special disinfectant Mm -hmm. and will be disinfecting their clothes and their car and all that. It's like, you know, maybe they should. Yeah, they they, they should. But it's like, you know, Mm. you know, I mean, it's it's not going to it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, if there's hunters who are going on, on hunting expedition trips to Eastern Europe or places with wild boar, you know, they have to disinfect their clothing they have to disinfect their their hunting equipment Mm -hmm. you know perhaps leave your leave your uh your hunting clothing out there and dispose of it Mm -hmm. and your footwear because i mean if the virus gets in here that's the end of pig farming in ireland (laughs) it's as simple as that yeah but i mean like there there are there are no no means to uh, uh, like there's nobody enforcing that well right. you know when you when you land in dublin airport if mm-hmm. you've been in in contact with livestock abroad mm-hmm. you have to go to the department of agriculture desk you mm-hmm. have to um declare that you've been in contact with livestock the department officials nobody knows that i know that's the problem nobody knows that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know that's the problem i mean i mean like you know a mm. lot of my friends they're going to poland they go in yeah. the farm and they're on their family farm yes. where the wild boar is running around yeah Right, and they're coming back, and it's like, hey, you know, and they don't lo- know. Lovely, know. It's, it's that's the problem. So we've been trying to put pressure on the airlines, especially those like Ryanair, 
um, mm-hmm. you know, Blue Air in Romania, Aeroflot in Russia, who are uh, flying in t- from areas with ASF. Mm-hmm. Please play the message to remind passengers to declare themselves at, at the yeah. Department of Agriculture. And what then is happening? So what happens there when you declare yourself, you'll meet a department official, they will assess where you've come from, if you've been in contact with, with pigs or so on, and mm-hmm. they will give you the advice. So mm-hmm. I was in contact with pigs in Italy this year with Ojeski's disease, which is a disease we eradicated a long time ago in Ireland. Mm-hmm. So because of being on that farm, um, the officials at Dublin Airport took my shoes, disinfected them, and, oh. and, and so on. Um, now, I, I, had disposa- nice. I had disposable um, uh, clothing on, on that farm, so yeah. the risk was relatively low. But if I had been, you know, in direct contact with, with these pigs in my own clothes, then they would have asked, they would have told me, you know, you need to wash them at this temperature, so on. Yeah. Okay, okay. So the, is the temperature killing the virus? Yes. Oh. Yeah, you can kill it with, with a high temperature, yeah. What's the temperature? I think it's kill? 100 degrees Celsius. 100 degrees Celsius? I kills believe it. so. Okay, so, fever, yeah. so even if you eat meat, you know, it's cooked, the virus is dead. It survives in cooked meat. Are you kidding me? That's that that's, that mm. keeps amazing me. So yeah, it, so it it's survives. being killed by the temperature, but it survives in the cooked meat. Mm-hmm. How yeah. that's possible? How's that even possible? Well, again, it's it's the temperature that you're cooking it at. Yeah, um, it needs to be oh, cooked um, at a certain. And the and the, and the, offic- the officials of the uh, Department of Agriculture are they trained? Because I've, like, I would hope so. <laughs> because I, because I feel like if I you know land on the on the in in the, in the airport and go to the official at the desk, it's like, hey, I've been in in country, I've been in Poland, and I was in contact with a wild boar, right? And I I would I might be wrong, but I would expect that I would see like a a guy or a gal mm-hmm. looking at me with the big eyes and like, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm declaring that I'm yeah. like, okay, you go. Well, I would yeah, I would certainly <laughs> think that. They should be taking it seriously. Um, I'm meeting the National Disease Control Centre again on Monday for an update on things. So we again, we will will be talking to them about Mm -hmm. the airports. Now, the risk of um, infected pig meat coming through the airport and ending up in in the pig population is low. It is a low risk, but it's still a risk. It's still a risk. And it's still something, you know, I think with the millions of passengers that, that pass through Dublin Airport, exactly. it is a good place for, for awareness. Right. It really, really right. is. What would you advise to person who's coming back from the area? They had a contact with a livestock or maybe with wild boar or maybe a hunter, mm-hmm. right? And that hunter goes through the airport, declares mm-hmm. that you've been in contact, uh, is met with a, you know, blank stare and it's like... What do you would advise to that person to do next? Well, you know, when yeah. they go, 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 you know, other than burn all your clothes and shoes and all that, <laughs> right? Because that's, you know, that's yeah. quite expensive mm-hmm. technical clothes as mm-hmm. well. So what would you, what would you do? Well, first of all, if someone has been in an area with um, African swine fever, they are not allowed to bring back pig meat into Ireland. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. You cannot bring pig meat back, you know, whether it's you've been to Poland, the Baltics, Romania, mm-hmm. China, Russia, wherever, if there's African swine fever there, you cannot bring pig meat back into Ireland. And that includes wild boar? That would include wild boar, yeah. Even well, in the ASF affected areas, yes, yes. Okay, in the areas? Yeah. Okay. Even cooked, even sausage? Can't bring anything in. You okay. cannot bring Polish pig meat in in your mm-hmm. luggage. Nothing mm-hmm. like that, no. Okay, okay. So that's the first step, is yes. you cannot bring it in into Ireland. The second step is if, yes, you have been in contact with livestock, mm-hmm. with pigs, you have to declare it at the Department of Agriculture and you need okay. to tell them what happened. And again, they'll assess it for you and yeah. they'll tell you what to do. Um, if you're a hunter, again, your hunting equipment, you need to have it properly cleaned and disinfected. Yeah. And, and and that's the, the big part of that. Yeah. Clothing as well, you know, yeah. need, you need to wash uh, yeah. disinfect your clothing and, yeah. and your footwear yeah so what would you use for disinfecting because I'm, I'm you know what I'm what I'm heading with this is if someone wants to do the right thing mm-hmm. right I, I want to do the right thing yeah. I was out there I was hunting boar I want to right, do the right thing I landed in the Shannon airport or Cork mm-hmm. airport I declared everything yeah people said like well yeah you're good to go right and here I'm the next day at home 
mm-hmm. looking at my clothes or looking at my gun mm-hmm. and it's like well i need to yeah. do something about it well you what would st- you what would you advise that person to do because- you need you need to stay away from irish pigs that's the first thing. <laughs> yeah you <laughs> good do not go to a pig farm if you've mm-hmm. been uh in contact with the pigs abroad Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to be let onto my own farm for a seven day period. Mm-hmm. You're, you have to be free from pigs abro- from abroad for seven days. Seven days. Yeah. Why is it seven days? And that's just the rule we have on our farm. Okay. To in general, if you let's say if we had any of our nutritionists visit us or our vets, they would have to be three days free from from pigs from Irish pigs uh-huh. before visiting us. And mm-hmm. but if you were with pigs abroad, you would have to be free at least seven days. Okay, yeah. and and you think that this is gives that time where people will change the clothes exactly. and take a shower, have, have and enough all... showers and, and so on. Ah, um, uh-huh. but yeah, if you have pigs or if you're going to be in contact with pigs, don't. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've if you've come from an, an infected area, right, right. That's the big. That's thing. you know, and that's very very well worrying, really, mm-hmm. what you're saying because I thought that you that maybe not you but there are like a certain rules that you okay you need to do this you need to do that no and there's no. really not really it's, it's a virus there's no cure for that no and you need cure. to do, yeah. do dis- disinfect the stuff and it's like mm-hmm. it's 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 really hard yeah it's oh it is it is but of course you know you you have to be practical as well mm-hmm. um we you know you know as long as you're cleaning and disinfecting your hunting equipment mm-hmm. as long as you're not coming in contact with irish pigs after you've been abroad with other pigs then yeah then there the, the, the risk is almost yeah not there okay yeah. okay so that kind of brings me to the point where you're obviously you're you it makes it stands a hair on the, on the back of your neck when people are talking about reintroduction of oh, wild boar gosh. yes and and all yes. that right but, yeah. and, and there are quite quite a lot of that right now mm-hmm. Is it worrying? It is worrying um, because wild boar are um, an invasive species in Ireland. Hmm. That's it's as simple as that. And, and there's but they re- wear they wear in Ireland. They wear native native to Ireland, right? This is this this argument mm. about invasive and non-invasive that I really mm-hmm. have a you know problem yeah. with quite often mm-hmm. because the definition is kind of loose. Yeah, and and we have to realize as well that. If something is defined as invasive, then it's destructive to our natural habitat, our natural environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, we'll just pick, for example, Japanese knotweed. We we know how invasive that is, that it, mm-hmm. it affects um, um, yeah. native plants and soil erosion and so on. And again, that's the problem with wild boar. They're very destructive. They're yes. extremely destructive to native woodland, for example. Um, they cause soil erosion. They, you know, rooting, rooting, uh, saplings and, and, and trees and so on they are very destructive animals mm-hmm. and we've seen that in the forest of Dean how, how they're destroying the forest there mm-hmm. um, and you know the problems again like I said road traffic accidents and so on they are dangerous animals is that the fact that the island is just too damn small to have these these animals because it's like the same argument like with wolves mm-hmm. you know like a I'm torn because as a as a hunter and as a person who likes and loves the you know wildlife and yeah. wild animals i would love to see wolves and bear and mm-hmm. and boar and all that that's a one side right yeah. okay now the reality is like where mm-hmm. like like where that's, i don't i don't see where it could happen exactly and and what is their natural predator you know that's the other thing yeah yeah, and there are some arguments for wild boar, like the benefits they do because they're doing this with this and that with the soil and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. But then probably it's like there is a habitat, and if they have a place to move, mm-hmm. then they. I think that we even have a similar uh, conversation some time ago about the how the pig who are. Uh, being kept outside in a yes. natural environment they can move and then they can still get enough nutrients from the natural environment while mm-hmm. the other places kind of recuperates mm-hmm. while in there in the wild place one place all the time then they'll deplete the soil yeah they deplete yeah. the soil and is that this is this the same thing that goes well on? the thing there with with outdoor pigs is we know the people with backyard pigs have very poor biosecurity so in mm. that case yeah. If you've wild boar in Ireland, you know, 
how can we guarantee that these people who have a, a few pigs in their garden have double fencing? How can we guarantee that they have proper cleaning and disinfection protocols? Yeah. And, and most importantly, how do we know that they even have a registered pig herd number? Because <laughs> the law is in Ireland, even if you have a pet pig mm-hmm. in your house, you have to have a registered pig herd number. Oh. In the outbreak of any disease, you're not going to be found, you know? Yeah. You, you, you could have a pig that could have a devastating notifiable disease and the department would not know about it because you do not have a herd number and there's no official record of you so for the likes of of backyard pig farmers and people with with a few pet pigs you know who are registered they've been getting um documentation Mm -hmm. and leaflets from the department of agriculture on african swine fever and on biosecurity for for a small scale uh, uh you know is the, the does the law says that they they they're gonna be punished? Is there any punishment for not registering? I asked this. I I met the Department of Agriculture two days ago, and I asked this. I said, uh, "What happens when you find someone with a pig who doesn't have a herd number? Can you make an example out of him, and or her?" And they said, "Well, it's, it would take a long time to go through the courts to just give them a fine." <laughs> so there, there's your answer. Right. But that, you know that is a worry. Um, with wild, if we had wild boar in Ireland, there's a lot of other diseases other than African swine fever that they could be spreading yes. to, to other pigs, whether it's commercial or non-commercial pigs. Yeah. So there yeah. is a lot. There is a lot of issues. Have you heard about place in Ireland where there are some wild boar? There, I heard about it. Like it last ep- like it's not last ep- It's not going to be last episode in the time mm. when this one aired, but it's going to on the fifty-seven. I don't remember a place, but there is a yeah. The well, the official term is feral pigs. So yeah. they might not be true wild boar. Okay. They might be half wild boar or they might be pigs that have somehow escaped and, and are living mm-hmm. ferally. But yeah, there is, time, from time to time, there are sightings and then they, they're, they're reported to the mm-hmm. authorities. So you are aware of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you do find wa- pigs in the wild, please let the, uh, let the authorities know and they'll, yeah. they'll follow up and deal with that. Okay. Is it like shoot them? Can you shoot yeah. them? Yeah, they have, oh. to be, they have to be removed. Yeah. Right, right. Is that the is that the same species of the like the because the pigs like a, so like a pink pigs right mm-hmm. there is is commercial a, pigs commercial yeah. pigs a suscrafa that's yeah. that's a, is the wild boar the same one it's the same it's the same species mm-hmm. they right yeah they have a, like this fantastic way of kind of changing their their ex, ex, external properties yes I yeah. heard that like like a, if you take like a real commercial pig. And you cut it loose within a number of months, it starts getting dark hair and all that. Is 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 that your that I'm not sure about, but but if the wild boar um, is the same species, they kind of like physical appearance is different. Yeah, but you know we have cases of, of uh, you know breeding between them, okay. um, and a lot of the the wild boar. Farmed wild boar, shall we say, yeah. are not actually true wild boar. They they've been they bred mean, from from one mean, of them. And right. and then crossed with uh, yeah. with another yeah. um, another uh, breed of pig. Are you concerned that at some point some you know some guy will just get the number you know twenty uh, wild boar and cut them loose in Wicklow? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's always a concern. Right. Yeah. Are we doing anything to to prevent that? Well, again, you know, look. They're listed as, a, as an invasive species. You cannot import pigs into Ireland without approval from the department. So that, yeah. that is very strict. Um, the National Pig uh, Health Council look after all of that. Yeah. Um, you, you can't import wild boar in, into yeah. Ireland. Yeah. Um, and then for the pigs that you can import, so like, you know, we, we would import Danish gilts. Uh, young females from time and time. Uh-huh. But there's a lot of red tape around that. Yes. Um, and it yes. does take quite a long time to go through. Okay, uh, listen, um, thanks for that. I hope that uh, our listeners will uh, benefit from that, from especially hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, bring, don't bring any meat. Do not bring meat from any con- from that's countries ki- with That's African kind of disappointing fever. because the wild boar, that the, this is the excellent meat. It is. And it's if, a great game meat. It's yeah, and is. if you shoot one, you would, you would like to freeze it and bring it with yeah. you. Is there no way to do it legally? There wouldn't be, no. I, I, there are some farms here in Ireland who have wild boar meat. Yeah. Um, that, that would but I mean, if I have a carcass, way. right, from Poland, can mm-hmm. I... 
can I, uh, you know, get it checked and and tested and certified that it's ASF free and then bring it over to? Our... No, you still you still couldn't. No, it's it's no. impossible. Certainly not in your luggage anyway. Okay, <laughs> okay. So in other words, eat eat the damn thing where you shoot it. Yes, eat <laughs> and dispose of the the offal correctly and right. the uh, all right. the inner organs and so on. Right, yeah. right. Uh, Shane, thank you very no much. No problem. Thank you, Tommy. It's been a pleasure. You just listened to an archived episode of the Tommy's Outdoors Conservation and Science Podcast. I invite you to take a moment and listen to one of the most recent episodes. I'm sure you'll enjoy it.